Hello and welcome back to Anointed Fire. I'm Tiffany Buckner and today I want to talk about why some women remain single. And I'm not talking about women who choose to remain single. I'm talking about women who have decided that they want to be married. I'm talking about believing women, Christian women who have gone before God and said, Lord, send me a husband. And they have waited and they have waited. I'm talking about women who waited in many cases, three, four, five, six, and 10 years. I'm talking about women who are doing the works. For example, they are remaining abstinent and year after year, after year, after year, no husband comes. I'm talking about those type of women because that may be you. And I know that most people, they sit back and they're like, okay, I'm going to do right by God. However, I do want a husband. I'm not going to lie. I want a husband and I want to be happy with my husband. And so, yes, I am absent. Yes, I am doing these things. I'm doing what's right because I know it's right. But at the same time, I do want a husband. Well, God likes to look at it from a different perspective. God will look at it for what it really is and not what we dressed it up to be. And what that means is if your abstinence is transactional, meaning you're only doing it because you want a husband, then God's not going to give you a husband until you get delivered from that transactional mindset. That means that it can't be consequential. It can't be, okay, God, give me a husband. Otherwise, I'm going to go out here and do something. And that may not necessarily be what's in your mind, but here's what I've seen. I've literally seen women go out here and say, Oh yeah, girl, you know what? I'm abstinent. You know, I'm doing this and I'm doing that. And they will go so long being abstinent. They'll go seven. I've literally seen women go seven years of abstinence. And you know what? They get tired of waiting at some point. Some guy comes along. He seems promising, but here's the thing. He requires a sin offering. He wants to, um, make love to him or what have you. He convinces them that, Hey, what we're doing is we're building a relationship that's going to end in marriage or what have you. And many times these are guys they've met in church. And what ends up happening is the woman finally gives in. She will resist for so long, but she will finally give in to the man's desires, his temptations or what have you, and find herself in a sexual relationship only to get dumped. I've seen that several times. I've seen that several times. So in her particular case, the purpose or the reason for the weight, the reason that God hadn't sent the man in her life. And you guys have probably heard me use this term before she was a celibate fornicator, meaning it was just a transactional thing in her heart. She hadn't been truly delivered from fornication. So she was just doing, it wasn't something that she was doing as her reasonable service. It wasn't God said, if you love me, keep my commandments. It wasn't something that she was doing because she loved the Lord. It was something that she was doing to get a guy. And so what ended up happening was the enemy, he will identify what's in you. If there is anything in you that belongs to him and he identifies that if he identifies fornication, then he'll send a fornicator after you. It's a magnetic effect. If he identifies rage, he's going to send somebody into your life that's going to upset you. The enemy is a specialist in identifying what's on the inside of you. And so Many times you'll have these women who will sit around and they'll wait and waiting is a good thing. Don't get me wrong, but you can't do it to get a husband. Like for me, I'm abstinent. I've been abstinent now going on seven years. I praise God for it. I thank God because this is something that I never thought I could do, but I do this because I love the Lord. I do it because you know what? I was 
wild. I did some crazy stuff in my life. God saved me. He delivered me. He healed me. Oh, what have you. Now, do I want to get married? Yes. Me being abstinent does not change the fact that I want to be married. However, I don't do it to get to get a husband. If I did it for a husband, then I wouldn't truly be abstinent. It wouldn't be a sacrifice that I'm making for the most high God. It would be a sacrifice that I'm making for the husband. You see the difference in that? It wouldn't be a sacrifice that I'm making or me giving my reasonable service as an act of worship to God. But instead, it would be transactional. And most people, or I will say every person who is transactional is going to serve time in being mad at God. Every person who is transactional will serve time in being mad at God. What does that mean? Whenever things don't play out in their lives, whenever they've done this, they've done A, B, C, Y, and Z. And it doesn't play out because in their mind, they feel like, well, I've done this and I've done that. So I've done my part. Now it's your turn, God. You know, I paid the price. Now it's your turn. And God's not obligated to uh, give you what you want just because you did something. You can go out here and you can do 10 million things and you still have not done um, what God has done for you in your life. You can never repay God. It will never be even between you and God. Let's move on from there. What's another reason that women remain single? They keep dating everybody. I can't tell you how many Christians I see doing this. I'm not talking about unbelievers. I'm talking about Christians. I see a lot of Christian women who just won't allow themselves to be single. Consequently, they got the smell of too many men on them. And, you know, some of them are abstinent. Some of them are questionable. They're not going to talk about their sex life. And you can tell the ones who are not necessarily abstinent because they don't promote abstinence. They don't come out and say, you know what? I'm presenting my body and God. No, they don't talk about those type of things because they know it's a struggle for them. And I'm not judging them. Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying, oh, these are no. But the thing about it is they don't understand sex, soul ties and marriage. They don't understand those things. And because they lack understanding, God can't send them somebody right now. God has, it's like, okay, I'll say it this way. If I have a child and my child is 10 years old and my child wanted to play with, um, hmm, my child wanted to play with my phone at the age of 10. If that child don't understand the phone and let's say I had an expensive phone or what have you. If my child don't understand my phone and I know and I got important things up in the phone, I'm not giving the phone to the child. I'm not going to get mommy. Can I play games on your phone? No. If I got important things on the phone or what have you, then I'm probably not because the child doesn't understand the phone. I'm not going to give you what you don't understand because you may damage it. You may break it. God's not going to give you a husband when you don't understand marriage. When you don't understand your own self. When you don't understand your body. He's not going to give you somebody just because. You're single and you've been praying for a spouse. No, you have to get to a place of understanding. Understanding is what qualifies you. This is why he says, study and show yourself approved. This is what are you being approved? What are you being approved for? Whatever it is that you're praying for. You got to get information. You got to get knowledge. He said, my people perish for lack of knowledge, for lack of knowledge. Another example is, let's say I got a 10 year old and my 10 year old says, mom, You know, um, I want to learn to drive. Mom, can you teach me how to drive? No, no. Here's the thing. You're too short. The laws are against it and you lack understanding. Kill somebody. 
So I have to protect my child, myself, and everybody else on the highway by saying, no, I'm not going to give a child something they're too young to handle. They're too immature to handle. Not, God's not going to give you a spouse when you're too immature. You're too young in the faith to handle, to handle being married. Because marriage is not just making love and cooking and cleaning and hanging out with your friends and your guy making you look good. No, marriage involves a whole lot of forgiveness. And if you haven't mastered that, which is going to be point number three, mastering forgiveness. If you have not mastered forgiving people, then God's not going to send somebody into your life. If you hold grudges, God's not going to send somebody into your life because right then and there, you're already destroying your marriage before you even get married. If you hold grudges, if you're the type of person that, you know, walks around talking about some girl, when I get mad at people, I ain't going to lie, I be holding grudges. God is saying, okay, I need you to mature past that. I need you to heal. Again, we have to learn to take inventory of that type of stuff. I've seen people just acknowledge what's wrong with them and boast about it, laugh about it, but they don't do anything else about it. They do that because what they're trying to do is impress everybody else with carnality. They're trying to show everybody else that, hey, look, I'm just as carnal as you. I'm just as petty as you. I play just as many mind games as you. I'm still dealing with witchcraft. I'm still dealing with these issues. Ha, ha, ha. Because the thing about it is, you know, it's not just in the world, but in the church, when you're dealing with Christians, a lot of people are very carnal. And to be carnal just really means to be immature. A lot of people are extremely carnal. And so when you go into a space, if you happen to be mature or maturing, meaning you're on a journey, if you're around people who are not necessarily uh, mature and have no interest in maturing, but they've climaxed, all they really want to do is get a C on a report card. They just want to go to heaven. That's it. They ain't trying to learn anything, you know, because they want the basics in life. And I'm going to be honest with you. A majority of Christians are like that. They just want the basics in life. I just want to be married. I just want to have kids. I want to have a standard home. I don't need nothing special or what have you. The majority of Christians are like that. But when you go into a space like that, when you get around believers and you happen to be a person who wants more, when you happen to be a person, for example, who, you know, wants to learn, you're constantly learning and growing. People start feeling intimidated. They feel like you're judging them. They feel like you're talking about them. They, you know, if you look at them a certain way, they feel like, oh, you're judgmental. And sometimes they deal with competition and jealousy or they'll start reasoning within their mind that you think you're better than them. And I've heard most of the times Christians will call you religious. So because I have a standard, because I say, okay, can't no man come to my house. I'm not married. So I'm not, I'm not going to be dating a guy and entertaining him in my home. Then I am labeled as religious. I'm, I'm labeled as religious by people who cannot be abstinent, who don't understand the heart of abstinence. They don't realize or understand the sacrifice that I'm giving. The sacrifice that I'm giving, it has nothing to do with marriage. The sacrifice that I'm giving has everything to do. This is my gratitude offering. This is me saying, God, I give you my body. I give you my mind. I give you myself because in times past, Lord, I was out here. I was wilding out. And I was doing all this and you protected me. You kept me. You stopped me from losing my life. You saved me from going to hell and you sat back and you protected me from many, you know, many times I could have lost my mind. You were there. So, you know what? I give you myself. And a lot of times people don't understand that. They don't understand that. And so they just sit there. And let me, so let me give you number four. Let's get number four. A lot of women don't get married because they're waiting on God for their husband. Ooh, y'all didn't expect that one, did you? <laughs> they're waiting 
And God never called you to wait. He called you to grow. They're waiting. They're walking around. And, and you know, forgive me because at one point I used to preach the whole wait message. Wait on God and, you know, be abstinent and do all that great stuff. Yes, be abstinent. But give your body as an offering. Present your body as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. Do all of the things that you're supposed to do. However, don't sit around and wait. Because if you sit around and wait, guess what? You're going to get tired of waiting. I've seen it. You're going to get tired of waiting at some point because you're going to be sitting there year after year after year. And God still ain't going to be in the mood. You're going to still, you'll be meeting guys. And every time you get excited, the guy's going to show you he's not the wrong. He's not the one that he's going to bounce right out of your life. And eventually you'll get to a point where you'll go into a compromise. You'll begin to compromise with the enemy. Because then Satan's going to come to you at one time. He's going to throw a guy at you and he's going to come and he's going to say, now, listen, now you're not going to hear an audible message. This is just a dialogue in your heart. You didn't try to do the right thing. You didn't done this. This man here is Christian. This man loves you. He want to be with you. You're going to, y'all going to get married anyhow. Now you can sit here if you want to and run this man off by, you know, all this little religious stuff you do. Or you can make love to your man. Next thing you know, your panties are on the chandelier. Because you're giving up the sin offering because you want to be married. God never told you to wait. He wanted you to grow. He says, seek. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and all his righteousness and everything else will be added to you. He wanted you to mature. The heir, just as long as he's a child, different, nothing from a servant, but is Lord of all until the time appointed by the father. Uh, the air, meaning as long as you are immature, and forgive me if I butchered that, but as long as you are a babe in Christ, as long as you are immature, there are certain things that you can't reach. Think in the natural. In the natural, a child, there are certain shells a child can't reach because of their height. That's what maturity looks like in the spirit. There are certain things that you can't reach whenever you are immature. And so many Christians have stunted their own growth because they're not studying the word. They're not taking in a revelation, wisdom, knowledge, and understanding. They are still stuck in a revelation of 2008. They're still stuck in a revelation of 1999. They're still stuck. And that's what we call religious. They're still marinating in old revelation. They're not doing anything. They're just sitting around waiting. And what they're doing is they're giving God works. Okay, God, you know, um, I'm not having sex. <laughs> And God's like, okay, that's nice and that's beautiful and that's cute and all. Nevertheless, I don't want you just to be abstinent. I want you to be abstinent, of course. But I want you to give your heart over to me and I want you to get to know me better. He said, oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. I want you to become content in me. But they don't do it. And the evidence of the fact that they're not content in God is the fact that they cannot be in a silent space for too long without having to call somebody they got to have some man pursuing them they got to be dating somebody they got to get a bunch of dudes and put them put them in the friend zone and use them as um false husbands until their husband arrives they got to get a bunch of friends they got to go hang out and just be around everybody they just got to have noise 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 all day long just constant noise going in their ears they cannot stand the silence and god is like i just want to get you off somewhere alone and I want you to hear all of those, those sounds in your heart. I want you to hear all the things that are scaring you. I want you to hear your rejection. I want you to hear your insecurities. I want you to hear yourself crying out. I want you to hear the little girl that never got healed. I want you to hear all of those things so that you can bring all of those issues to me and give it to me as an offering. And in exchange, I want to give you my peace.
No, because they've come to believe the lie that Hollywood promotes. And that is a man is going to come and fix all that. All of those problems are going to go away. Listen, when you get married, you can go so far. Marriage is pretty much just information. You know, so when I get married, most people marriage the first year is not the most difficult, even though it is considered uh, the most difficult year outside of the honeymoon phase. You know, because the first like few months of marriage is honeymoon phase. The first few months you're doing everything right because you have this imagination of the person that you married. You think that they're perfect at that time. And so the first few months you're spending a lot of time saying, oh, my husband, oh, my wife. You know, when I got married, I was married to the wrong guy, obviously. But I remember the first few months of our marriage It's all he said was, Oh my goodness, why people didn't tell me about marriage before? I love marriage. I love it. He will proclaim it to the nations. He would tell everybody that he talked to, I love marriage because during that phase, during that time, you know, he had this idea about me and I had this idea about him. I'm up cooking. You know, he go to work and I he come home and I'm cooking. I've got well, I'm not cooking, but I got food cooked and I'm in a honeymoon phase. So I'm bringing food to the table. And uh, matter of fact, whenever he would call and let me know he's on his way home, I would go ahead and fix his plate. Or many times when he would come home, I would fix his plate. And all he had to do was go sit at the table. I would not only fix his plate, but I would pour his drink for him. He's like, oh, I love this marriage. Oh, this marriage. Forgive me, I'm doing a fake accent because he was not American. But he was like, oh, I, I love this. I love it. And then that shifted. That changed. One particular day we had a disagreement because that's what's going to happen in marriage. One day we had a disagreement and I'm trying to see what we were fighting about. I don't know what we were fighting about. We had a disagreement. I was upset. And he was so accustomed because when you first get married, you're going to a lot of times do things that you are not going to continue on in because it's not that you don't plan on continuing on. It's just that at some point it may become tiring or life happens. You may have a child or, you know, some things are going to happen that make you realize that, hey, you know what? I wasn't doing this at first and I started doing this, but this is not working for me. It's working against me. Or what have you, or, you know, my spouse is becoming lazy as a result. And so a lot of times that's what make people start to kind of pull back. In this particular case, we had a disagreement. When we had a disagreement that day, I still cooked. I cooked, I don't, it was steak, I think. It was like smothered steak and rice, if I'm thinking right. It, I don't remember. But I remember I cooked. And when he came home, when he came home from work, um, I did the normal. I put the food, but I wasn't speaking to him. I was really upset, but I put the food in front of him and um, I put his cup right there next, you know, in front of him. And I went to the other head of the table because that's how we used to sit. We had a small table and you can just, what have you, we were living in Germany at the time. I went to the other head and he looked at me and I poured myself some juice. Then I pushed the juice container down to him. No lie. He sat there and stared at me. <laughs> he said, you're not going to pour my juice? I said, no, you can pour your own juice. He got up and stormed away from the table, refused to eat the food, was really mad, went closed himself in the room, came out of the room a few minutes later, went into the kitchen, grabbed himself an apple, ate that apple, and went to bed. And from there, I was so upset. I was so mad. I was like, I just slaved over a hot stove, and I'm not obligated to pour your juice. 
I just did that because I was trying to be nice, but that's not my job, you know, and I realized I had started spoiling him. And I, from that point on, I said, okay, I'm not doing that no more. And I had a, a discussion with him, a talk with him about it. And I talked to a relative of his who was like, hey, don't pour, no, don't pour his juice anymore because, you know, what you're doing, you didn't spoil this guy and what have you. And I talked to him about it. And, you know, after we calmed down or what have you, I talked to him about it. And I told him from this point on, you got to pour your own juice and fix your own plate. I'll have the food cooked or what have you, but you have to come into the kitchen and pour your own juice and fix your own plate. And, you know, I explained to him, I said, because I don't want that to be something that you expect. And if I don't do it, it turns into World War Four. So if I cook, be grateful. And that's that. But again, a lot of times, a lot of women. They still deal with I don't know what I was dealing with that, but they still deal with issues in their heart. So we just move on from there. Um, they still deal with issues um, like rejection. That's going to keep you from getting married. If you deal with rejection, God's not going to send a spouse to you. Now, it's, when I say keep you from getting married, married, I mean, it's going to stop God from getting involved. God's not going to send anybody. God's not gonna, going to approve anybody for your life, for your life. Consequently, many Christians go out there and marry somebody that God didn't approve of them. They just go out there and get married to anybody um, who calls themselves Christian. And many times they get married to folks who are not even Christian. And they figure, and that's how I used to think. I'm going to drag my man into the church because they're still dealing with rejection. A lot of times the reason people don't get married or a lot of women don't get married is because they're not willing to go through the process of healing. You know, when they look at it, they think about me. That's a long time down the road. And if a woman is in her 30s, many times she'll start reasoning like, OK, if I got to get healed from all that childhood trauma and all that stuff, you I'm looking at like 40 something. I want to have kids like literally people think like that. Women actually think like that. They will sit back and begin to reason about how long it's going to take them because they know that they got a bunch of childhood wounds. They know they got a bunch of issues. And rather than just tackling those issues through therapy, the reason that they are not, you know, willing to go through therapy or do the work, they just reason within their own minds that, you know, um, all of that stuff isn't necessary. Some man's going to come along and he's going to love me as I am. No, those things will sabotage your relationship. So, again, I know what I was dealing with now. Uh, information. I, we can go so far in a marriage because in the beginning there is like default information. You know, I know how to cook. I know how to clean. And obviously, you know, you, you're going to know what to do in the bedroom. That's fine. But then what do you do when you get to those points where you don't have the answers? That's when divorce starts coming in. A house divided cannot stand. That's when we start having issues. When you get to that spot where you can't agree, you don't agree, and there's no resolve, you have to get a third party involved. And when I say a third party, I'm not talking about your mama, your cousin, or your bestie. I'm talking about a counselor. I'm talking about your pastor. I'm talking about you got to get somebody who gives you information because it's just a drought in your marriage. You only have so much revelation. You only have so much information. And when you get to that point where you don't know what else to say or what else to do, you have to get a third party. But a lot of people won't do that, especially us African-Americans, because, again, we have this stigma surrounding therapy that we feel like it means that something is broken, something is wrong with us. And we feel like by getting a therapist that is admitting that there is something wrong. Or in some cases, whenever we do get a therapist, because I've seen women get therapists, but 
whenever they do get a therapist, like for marriage counseling or what have you, a lot of times people are trying to control the dialogue because you got to come. You have to be teachable, even in marriage. A lot of times I've counseled couples and the woman in most cases is the woman who comes with her mind already made up. She wants the therapy, but she has her mind already made up that she's right and that she just needs somebody else to tell her husband that she's right. They come in as a closed book. They come in with that mentality. And a lot of cases, what I have to do is I begin to dismantle what that woman believes. I begin to dismantle it. And the woman gets offended and starts crying or what have you and gets frustrated because you know what? In some cases, she's wrong. In some cases, they're both wrong. Most cases, they're just both wrong. And most cases, they're just, they, they don't understand where to go at, beyond that point. But the problem is both of them have already decided what they wanted and they're not willing to willing to compromise. So you have to have a third party to come in and then offer you some feedback and say, OK, uh, sis, yeah, that's not right. And in counseling, you have to have both people in front of you. You know, when you're doing marriage counseling, you got to have both people in front of you because, you know, you can do it individually. But there are going to be cases where you have to have both people because I found again, my sisters, a lot of times when a woman comes, she's not going to tell you the whole story because she's trying to control the narrative. She ain't going to tell you the whole story. I've counseled women one-on-one and then turn around when their husband come around and I'm just like, okay, yeah, she told me this. And he'd be like, well, well, did she tell you this part? I'm like, well, no. And I look at her because what she was trying to do was to get me to agree with her. And when a woman comes to therapy like that, you might as well not even get a therapist. Just sit at home and fight it out because that's control manifesting itself. Men do it as well. Don't get me wrong. But you've got to be willing to compromise. You have to be willing to compromise. And if you're not willing to compromise or if you're not willing to get information, if you, do, if you need a therapist right now and you won't get a therapist, you refuse to get information, why would God turn around and send you somebody? Because you're too prideful. Remember what the Bible says. God resists the proud and gives grace to the humble. He resists the proud. If you're too proud to get yourself a therapist because you don't want to share your business with nobody, you're going to be too proud to get a therapist when you need one in marriage because you will get to that spot in marriage where you lack information. Unless your parents have been married 40 and 50 years because you've gotten a chance to see your parents go through hardships, but a generational curse is nothing but a lack of revelation. It's a lack of information that's it us all. If your parents went through divorce or they never got married, guess what? You, won't, you lack information. You think you've got enough in you. You think, oh no, we can just talk about everything, have sex and you know, go out to eat and all that. No. There are going to be points in marriage. I'll give you one point, for example, that typically happens with a lot of marriages. The man goes out, he has a traditional job. On his job, he meets a female. Female is an adulteress, right? She is a, what we call a destroyer. She has a spirit in her. But he can't see it, the wife does. The guy is assigned to work, this is common. Work alongside the woman. The woman is flirting. He starts building a friendship with the woman. And then he comes home and he tries to tell his wife, hey baby, you know, let's hang out. You know, I told her and you know, I, she wants to hang out with you. And you're just sitting there like, bro, no. Is that that girl I saw at the Christmas party? No, she likes you. And I need you to stay away from her, do your job. But that's it. That's a problem. Because you're sitting there as a female and it's frustrating. You're sitting there like, hey, dude, no. But he doesn't see it. He thinks you're being insecure and jealous. And because this woman has sat back and said, your wife is so pretty. I just admire y'all marriage. 
And so she's talking down to earth and he thinks that this is a good woman and his wife is just being a jerk. I had that case, you know, and I, it's funny cause I haven't thought about this in years. Uh, but right now it just popped up in my mind as I'm teaching. I had a situation like that with my ex when he came home from work and he was like, Hey, you know, this is girl on my job. Um, she keeps talking about, she wants to go out to eat with you. And she never seen me before a day in her life. And I was like, wait, what? He was like, yeah, I, he said, I don't know what that is. He said, but, and I started telling him, I was like, he started telling me like, she comes around, like, um, whenever he's eating lunch, she'll, you know, sit down with him. She'll talk to him and all his other stuff. And, you know, thankfully in this particular case, it wasn't hard to, to convince him because I think he saw it for himself that this was a woman who had a crush on him. This is a woman who had a crush on him. And so she would constantly tell him, hey, ask your wife when we can do that movie date. Ask your wife because I would love to go hang out with her. And I was like, do you discuss me to her? He was like, no. She just know I'm married. That's it. And he said, you know, she comes, she'll sit down and talk or what have you. And that's it. And he said, then she just started talking about going, you know, on a movie date with you. And I was like, yeah, no, I'm not doing it. I'm not doing it. I don't know this girl. And I don't know what her objective is. I ain't crazy to be go sitting up in a movie theater with some strange female that can't. No. But in many cases, um, the female is able to win the guy over and convince him that she's a good person. And it starts a fight. And so you need a third party, a, a therapist or a pastor to look you in the eye and to look your guy in the face and say, hey, no, listen to your wife. Listen to your wife. This is what God told Abraham to do when what told Abraham to do when uh, his wife, Sarah, came before him and said, cast that bun woman out of my house and her son for Isaac shall not be equal with my son. He won't be equal. Well, so Ishmael won't be equal. Sorry, not Isaac, but Ishmael won't be equal with my son. Abraham, he felt grief and I, you can understand why he felt that way. Nevertheless. God told him, hearken into the, wife, the voice of your wife. That's not popular these days. Um, you have to understand, women are wired to see things. God calls wisdom her. Women are wired to see things. And so a lot of times, you know, I think for women, a lot of times we can have insecure moments. And when we have those insecure moments, it can kind of ruin us to the point that whenever you do go before your husband, you do actually see somebody flirting with him. He's, you know, he's seen so many, so much insecurity that he doesn't trust you. He doesn't trust you. And you're sitting there like snake, snake, snake. Dude, no, it's a snake with a wig. I'm telling you, she likes you. And he's like, nah, you know, she's really cool. She even got a boyfriend. I remember being married and, um, this is the first time I got married. Now, if you don't know, I've been married twice because I was back in the, when I was in the world. And, well, I just gotten saved or what have you. I was still silly back then. But I remember him coming home and telling me about a female on his job. It always happens. Telling me about some female that he worked with. And I came on his job one day because he was working in a store. I came there to bring him lunch, I think it was. And when I came up, I saw the girl walking alongside him and she was arm to arm close with him. Like, you know, they were talking. She was arm to arm close with him and she was laughing. And as I was walking up, she was elbowing him, but she didn't see me. You know, she was doing a little flirtish elbow and all that other stuff. And I'm walking up like, <laughs> okay, chink, chink, chink. 
I'm walking up like, okay, what's this? And he introduced me. And he's like, yeah, this is my, the girl I was telling you about. This is my friend's girlfriend. This is my best friend's girlfriend. And I'm sitting here looking like, okay, she ain't acting like a girl, somebody else's girlfriend. And um, this is a best friend, obviously, I had met. But he was like, oh, no, me and him, we were best friends, and I ain't seen him in a long time. Oh, have you? this is his girlfriend. They got a child together. Yeah, I don't doubt that part, but I know what I see. So, obviously, when he came home later that day, I had a conversation with him about it. I said, hey, no, this girl likes you. Because he started trying to, he was like, I want y'all to hang out. I was like, no, nah, no, this girl. He was like, she has a child with my friend, Tiffany. She's with my best friend. I was like, I get that. But I know what I see. I know what I saw in her. And I, I, even when I talked to her on the phone, I could feel, I, could, I, I felt it. I said, I said, dude, this girl likes you. She likes you. She may be, you know, with your friend and she may have a child with your friend. So he had called himself trying to force that relationship on me. He tried to force me to become friends with this girl. Tried to force it. Even came home one day and said, hey, I invited her over. So she's coming over. So just so you know, so that y'all can sit because I think you just need to get to know her. And I was like, yeah, I'm going to go sit. I'm going to sit. The, I'm going to go get to know her. Yeah, go call and tell her to come on. When he saw how I was reacting, um, he waited for a while. And then somehow she magically canceled. She magically canceled. She didn't come. Well, no, I take that back. I take that back. That's not the way that happened. She was supposed to come with a friend. I'd never heard of that particular friend until, you know, and he, so, so she was supposed to come with the guy, her, her child's father. All of a sudden, something happened where the child's father wasn't going to be coming, but she was going to be coming by herself. I remember that. Now I remember it. She was going to be coming by herself. And, and I didn't even believe, honestly, I didn't even believe that she was in a relationship with the guy. I didn't, I knew she, I believed that she was a single woman. And even if she had a child, she had a child with the father, you know, one of his friends, but I don't, I didn't think they were together anymore. I saw her as a single woman who, you know, was, and so he comes in, he's like, um, yeah, she's coming over with the guy or what have you. And I welcomed that at first. But when he came back and said, oh, such and such called and she said um, her and the guy got into it. I don't remember what happened, but for whatever reason, the guy wasn't going to be coming, but she was just going to be coming by herself. And I was like, oh, yeah. And so we had a, dis a discussion, argument, whatever you want to call it about that. And then I was like, yeah, yeah, I'll tell you what, tell her to come on. <laughs> tell her to come on. Yeah, I, I, I do want to sit down and talk to her. I'm ready to have that conversation. And so he felt a little bit uncomfortable and then she magically canceled. She magically canceled. We never got a chance to hang out with her and the guy never got a chance to see her with that guy. I only saw her um, whenever I went to his workplace and I would see her in his face flirting and laughing or what have you. But a lot of times guys don't understand you know, a lot of times when you're trying to say that to a guy, he's not going to understand. And so that's why you want to reach a certain level of maturity, too, um, in order for you to attract somebody who's mature. I was not a mature believer. When I met him, I wasn't really saved. Honestly, I can say I was. Yes, I think I had confessed Jesus. However, um, when I say saved, I always think baptized. But that doesn't mean you're saved. Uh, but when I met him, I was just now joining the church. I was still new to church. 
I was still new to church. I was fresh out the club. I still had whiskey behind my ears. Not whiskey, but Tom Collins and stuff behind my ears. I was still a worldly person. You know, I hadn't matured. I hadn't even started embracing the kingdom system. Those old systems hadn't been destroyed in my life. So when I met him, I met him doing worldly things, acting like a worldly woman. And I continued to do worldly things. So obviously, we went into fornication and all of those things. So I thought, you know, I still had my worldly way of thinking. I thought that, you know, <laughs> you can do what you want to do and God's going to bless it because your heart is right. Because you, you got good intentions and what have you. So I lived with him for two years and then we ended up getting married. So I'm saying all of that to say that there are a lot of times when women wait because of something that's on the inside of them or because they're not willing to mature they're not willing to die to themselves they're not willing to get therapy they're not willing to get information they're not willing to get deliverance they're not willing to go out and try to better themselves and let's just stop there right quick let's stop here this little rest stop and deal with this when a woman makes a decision let's say you work at a local convenience store you got two children you know, from the time when you were in the world, and that's fine. You get, you know, you got delivered. Praise God. You got two children and you work at a convenience store. If you're working at a convenience store, you're not making enough money to take care of your children. So if you're not doing anything to advance yourself forward, then you're just waiting. Honestly, that's what you're doing. You're waiting. You're waiting on something to come into your life or someone to come into your life to make it better. And God doesn't honor that. He doesn't want you doing that. He wants you advancing. He, he wants you advancing as a human and he wants you advancing the kingdom of God. He doesn't want you just sitting around and waiting for some guy to come along and make your life economically better because then that man's going to become your financial idol. He's not interested in watching you sit back. And let me tell you what happens with a lot of women when they're waiting. They end up staying bitter. See, because bitterness is not something that you just get over just because you get up and decide, I don't want to be an unforgiveness. The Bible says, so I'm going to try to cheat. I'm going to try to cheat, uh, treat uh, Tyrone right. My child's father, I'm going to try to be nicer to him. No, that's something you grow out of. You have to grow out of it. In order for you to grow out of it, you got to get information. You got to study to show yourself approved for the next level. But a lot of women don't do that. They just still sit around and they don't advance forward. They don't die to themselves, so they're still qualified for Tyrone. See, you're supposed to get to the point where you've gotten so much healing and information that you are no longer qualified for Tyrone, and he's no longer qualified for you. When that happens, you won't be mad at him no more. When that happens, you can tell when a woman's still qualified for the guy because she's still mad at him. But when you get to that space where you've gotten healed and you've gotten delivered and you're studying, you're going to school and you're trying to better your life, you're not going to be mad at him anymore because you start to see him for what he is. Oh, he's a broken soul. He's an immature person. He's this, he's that. I didn't know no better. Your perspective of him shifts because you're going higher. And so when you're on an equal plane with a person, your perspective of them is going to be one way. But if you climb a tree, if you go higher, if you climb a mountain, if you do anything that causes you to shift upward, then you're going to see that person from a different perspective. So you can always tell a lot of women, they don't grow because 15 years after Tyrone left him, they still see him from the same perspective. Girl, he ain't nothing but a dog. Always going to be a dog. All he do is cheat. And girl, he cheated up. He ain't nothing but a hoe. I'm surprised the man ain't caught something in his drawers yet. His drawers ain't caught fire. It's like, okay, when are you going to get to the point where you heal? 
God's not looking on you to just looking at you to sit there, work at that convenience store and come home from work. He's not looking at that. He wants you to get up and do something. Get up and do something. Women like that, will, they spend quite a bit of time speaking negatively about their children's father to the children. Yeah, your stupid daddy. He, he, he could help because here's what keeps them in unforgiveness many times. If you're not advancing forward financially, psychologically, mentally, what happens is you don't have enough money. You don't have enough money. So you'll find yourself frustrated. Now, you got to understand, you can look at statistics and say um, marriages that are in poverty are less likely to survive. So. That means your attitude is going to stay at a certain height. So now you're sitting there. And you're upset, you know, and you, you want to get your children some shoes, but you can't afford to get them for them because you're working at a convenience store and your bills are, uh, you know, all, your bills are just taking up all of your income. So you reach out to your child's father. Let's say his name's Tyrone. You reach out to Tyrone and you say, hey, could you get Tyrone Jr. some shoes for school? Because we got school coming up. I didn't got his uniforms and I didn't got all, all I need to do is get him some shoes. I need to get this child two pair of shoes and that'll carry us over. And he says, no, I ain't got the money. You say, you, he says, I paid your child support. You say, bro, we get, what, $70 a month from you. That's not enough. That goes, in, that goes on food alone. That's not even enough to feed him. You'll find yourself in unforgiveness with this man. You know why? Because you're not making enough money. Because you're frustrated. Because he's not helping out. But it's amazing. If you go back to school and you sit up here and you go get yourself a great job and you're able to provide for your child, then you don't deal with that stress. It's not to say that you relieve the guy of his responsibility to take care of his child. It is to say that, you know what, I'm going to grow regardless of whether he choose to grow or not. I'm going to make sure that my children never lack, that my children not walking in the shoes wearing some Kroger tennis shoes that were found on aisle three hanging up by the shoestrings. No, I'm going to go and make sure that my children can have something nice on their feet. I'm going to make sure that my children, you know, can walk in style and they can walk into the classroom and hold their head up high and feel good about themselves. I'm not going to be sitting here stressed out trying to figure out what I got to do to try to get my child a pair of shoes because Tyrone won't do nothing. No, God wants you to grow. God wants you to advance forward. God wants you to do something that will facilitate a change in your life. He wants you to do something that will facilitate facilitate. A change in your life, a change in your finances is not to just sit around and make the same amount every year, because when you are sitting around struggling, any man that makes a dollar more than you looks real good. You want to call me a lot? Try any man. If you making ten dollars an hour, a man comes along making eleven dollars an hour. He look like a, he look like a catch. Come on. I grew up in poverty. I know how that works. He comes along. He's making eleven dollars an hour. Oh, bro is going to look like a catch to you. And don't let him be making $13 an hour. Oh, he going to look like, oh, he going to look like he got money. He going to look like this. And that's not necessarily who God is calling you to. That's not the man for you. But because he's making $13 an hour and he's Christian and he got a dimple, you want to date him. Even though you got to give a sin offering to be with him. You got to give up the sex in order to be in a relationship with this guy. That's the problem. God wants you to get up and do something. And I know that we don't like to grow. We don't like to learn. But you got to get over that. You got to overcome your flesh. So these are just a few of the things that keep women from getting married. Uh, I want to give one more. 
and that is staying connected to the past. And that's not just in an event in the event that we call unforgiveness. I'm talking about staying connected to kin folks of the dude and friends of the dude having mutual like you're still monitoring his life. You're still monitoring you're using the excuse, oh his mama real nice, or I got children with him, or me and his sister were friends before I have children. You're using that excuse. You have to let people go. Sorry. I, I hate to be the bearer of bad news, but if you want a husband, God's not going to send you a husband into no freaky mess where he got to come in and watch this man's sister parade herself around your house. And you still call because that says that you're still connected to the guy. You still are in unforgiveness. You're still in love with the guy. You still have not let that guy go. Now, I know somebody might say, but what if I have, what if I am um, best friends? Or I was best friends with the sister. Before I met him, then one of the things you want to do is you want to take time out to look at that, that friendship and ask yourself this, is the friendship helping me to heal and keeping me in healing or is it, is it helping me to monitor his life? Like, am I asking questions or waiting for her to tell, cause, you know, she come around and she telling me, uh, cause you know, Tyrone, you know, he with that girl, uh, such and such now and all that is, is that what I'm being fed? Some relationships can be good, meaning, you know, we ain't, we're not fighting, we're cool and all that, but it's not healthy. Fried chicken is good, but it ain't healthy. Some things are good, but they're not healthy. So if I want my husband, then I have to let go of my past. I can't bring him in and just be like, okay, um, there are some people that I want to introduce you to. This is my ex's sister. And so, yeah. <laughs> We going to be hanging out with her from time to time? No, no. Those are things that keep women from um, getting married. There's another thing that came up in my mind that when I was talking, let me see if I can try to remember it, and then I'll let you guys go. Let's see what that was. Obviously, you got to die to yourself. You got to heal. You got to forgive your ex uh, time and time again, because if you got a child with him, then He's going to constantly, and this is why you advance forward with information. You keep studying so that whenever he does something that's offensive, you're not still in the same space that you were when you guys broke up. Um, you want to constantly keep healing and keep, you know, getting more information, getting knowledge and getting understanding. Oh, yes. Last one. Because you won't take accountability. You won't be responsible to anybody. You don't have a mentor. You don't have anybody giving you information. You're not taking accountability for your life. You got to have somebody in your life that you can talk to. You know, I love having people in my life that I can confront. You know, I can confide, not confront. I can confide in and say, hey, you know, I met this guy. And, you know, what have you. And they can look at me and say, okay, let me ask you these questions. And obviously, I'm talking about I have guy mentors who um, I can talk to and say, hey, I met this guy, this, that, this, that, and the other. And these are guys who are married, been married for many years. Um, integral men of God or what have you but I can talk to them and say hey I met this guy and the guy uh, said this and he said that and this is what he's asking and this is what he's doing this is what he's not doing and they'll give it to me raw uh, nah he's not interested yeah he, he's this or he's that or he, he sound like he got somebody or what have you or even say hey well let me t I want to talk to him on the phone let me talk to him but it's always good to have somebody that you can talk to about what you're experiencing. It's always good to have somebody that you can talk to uh, about, you know, your relationships or what have you. This way, 
you can be accountable and you'll have somebody to tell you the raw truth. Another one I want to mention too is choosing what you want to hear. You know, women are infamous for this. A lot of times a woman will make it up in her mind. Once a woman make it up in her head that that man is the right one and that God bought them together or that God is going to at least let her keep them. It's like bringing home a stray dog. He let me keep them, God. But once she has it in her mind that she can convince God to let her stay in that relationship. I've seen women leave their churches. I'm telling you, women will do all kinds of crazy stuff to be in a relationship. That's when a woman is dealing with idolatry. That's something that has to be broken in your life. That's a system. Idolatry is a system that has to be destroyed. But a lot of women, especially if they waited a long time or what have you, if they meet that one guy that they think has the potential or they think is the one, oh my gosh, they're going to get rid of any and everybody in their life. They're going to start giving up the sin offering. They're going to start giving up, well, not just the sin offering, but they're going to start giving the offering. Um, there's an offering that's needed to be with a narcissist, for example. They'll start giving up the, the offering. And that is they'll give up friends or what have you. They'll call you up and um, talk to you about their relationship. And then when you give them some advice, you know, they'll use that advice to go back and tell the guy what you said. Yeah, I told I was talking to such and such. And she talking about, you know, she, um, you know, she don't like you and all. And I told her, girl, how are you going to try to tell me? But that's just a woman giving an offering. Um, in exchange, hoping that the guy would change his ways once he sees that she's willing to throw away a valuable friend, <clears throat> you know, because that valuable friend opened up his mouth. So she's just talking in comparison. She's letting him know that in comparison, I've given you a higher role, a greater seat than that friend of mine. And so that friend of mine, yeah, she tried to say something about you. But you know what? I stood up and I stood uh, against her for you and that's just that woman giving the offering and women know and this is something that guys don't necessarily know but women know that's actually very common with women very common with women a lot of women are used to dealing with narcissists they're used to dealing with narcissistic people and so they're used to giving up the sin offering or not just a sin offering but an offering they're used to um giving up something in order to prove to a guy that they want to be with him and that they're serious. And this typically happens when the guy starts pulling away from them. This typically happens when the guy starts, um, you know, showing, you know, like he, he didn't call last night. He didn't send a good morning text this morning. When he starts doing things like that. A lot of times a woman will panic and then she'll give the offering. And so I'm just saying, listen, guys, be very mindful if you want God to send you a husband, if you want to get married. Now, that can't be your the your overall thing you can't because that's a void if that's the thing that you are hungry for and you can't stop thinking about that's a void and wherever there's a void there's going to be a seat ready for an idol so what you have to do is you got to seek ye first the kingdom of god and all his righteousness you got to say god if i never get married i'm going to still serve you and i'll still be abstinent i'm going to give i give you my body you got to chase God with all of your heart, mind, and strength. You got to love on God. You got to get to know God and, you know, just give yourself over to him. When you do that, he will take you and make you content. When you become content, you're not going to be thirsty for a guy anymore. And when you're not thirsty, God then sends the husband. Anyhow, I love you. I hope this message blessed you and God bless you.